if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to uh, Amos, the uh, eighth chapter. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. One from uh, 11th verse in the eighth chapter, and the uh, 11th verse in the uh, 11th, 12th in the eighth, and, and the 11th in the ninth. I started reading my scriptures coming from the ninth verse, I mean the 11th verse of the ninth chapter. But this scripture, I had it underlined, and I looked at it, and it's so today. You know, I look and I see the news and I see what's happening on Israel's time clock. That that that, that it's, it's it's rolling up. Time is rolling up. The sun's going down like it's greased. We don't have time to do nothing but work for God. It said, "Behold, a day will come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or of thirst of water, but of hearing the word of, God, of the Lord, and they shall wander from." Sea to sea and from north to even the east and shall run to and fro seeking the word and the Lord shall and word of the Lord and shall not find it. And I look at today and, and, and I don't know about you and TV ministers. Uh, you, can, you can be seated. I'll, I'll <laughs> you make me nervous. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I see people running to and fro, brother. I see them running everywhere, trying to, we preaching the gospel, uh, Jim Baker's gotta have this many churches, and Jimmy Swagger's gotta have that many across the countryside. Of course, I know that's outdated, but you know what I'm saying. They did have a squabble. He, Baker didn't have as many swaggers, so that's the reason he was stealing all that money and so, so forth. But we hear all these things about how people are, are spreading the gospel, and they don't know what the gospel is. They, they've never, they never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. They've never had that personal relationship in their life that changes a man from what he was to what he is. Willpower is a good thing. I thank God that we've got good men and women that's got, that's got good willpower and how they can sustain from all this stuff. You know, but it takes God for me. When I was in the world, I couldn't do what I, God allows me to do now. I, I live for God in a different way, but they said He'll never run to and fro. In that last day, he said, but I'm going to send a famine. Not of food and drink, but of the Word of God. Because they're not sincere in what they're taking. And God don't give the sincere word only to the sincere people. They will accept it in their hearts. Bible said, don't cast your pearl before swines. We don't need to run out and try to make somebody believe something if God ain't in it. Because if God ain't working on that end, he use a little wisdom and realize that you can just love them. And that's what you do. That's what you do anyway. That's what you do. If you're gonna win somebody, it ain't gonna be because you can out scripture. I used to love to argue the scriptures. Me and Paul Ward used to do it, man. We'd get on a construction site, and you thought we was fighting, but we enjoyed it. I think you know. I don't do that anymore, <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed debating the word because I believe in what I believe, and I and I, I want to show you the scriptures and how I believe it. But my scripture is is in the ninth verse. I'm in 11th verse, the ninth chapter. And it says, Again, in that day, will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and closed, well, that build up, it's not closed, it's, but it's built up to mean the word, the branches thereof, and I will rise up his ruins. And I will build it as in the days of old. 
My scripture this morning, my title would be, out of this night, would be Building Up the Ruins. You know, in this scripture here, uh, I know Brother likes prophecy that, that, uh, Brother Pruitt said he liked prophecy, and this is this is prophecy. This is prophesying. And, and, and if I'm right in it, and you, if I'm not right in it, you can check it on. But in in uh, Acts of 15th chapter and the 15th, 16th, 17th verse, it says the same thing. This says it's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles coming into this place, and the Gentiles being a people of God's heart. And one day there's going to be a millennial reign of Christ, which is going to ten thousand years, where God is going to literally restore. But right now, what we're restoring, they, they're confused about because we're restoring a spiritual kingdom. We're restoring something that's a type and a shadow and a schoolmaster teaching us spiritual things that we, that we don't have to rely on, on just one scripture. People, they hang one scripture out there and then that, that's their belief. But he said, I'm going to raise this up. Like David's house. When I think about the tabernacle in the wilderness, and I think how far it come and how the David acquired it and how it was Obed Edom, how long he stayed there and how his house was blessed. And I, I see that the, that, the, that the tabernacle in the wilderness come up and David, of course Solomon built it, but you know David was a man after God's own heart. Even though Solomon built the temple, even though Solomon had all the money, all the wives, but you know what led him? The wives. Led him into false gods. And he, he sold out for a false god from his, from the women that he acquired. David did it and David got punished for it. But if you'll look into the history and you'll look in Matthew, the first chapter, and you go down to there when they referred to Solomon, they say, Solomon of the wife of Uriah. God filled him to get whose wife it was. You can't take another man's wife. And you can't take another man's life. He paid for it, but I think David had a forgiving heart. And I think it's one thing we need today to build back up from the ruins of our lives is it, 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 a forgiving heart. People go around with too much junk, too much stuff, too much baggage, too much. They did me wrong, and I am like, you know, I, I ain't gonna take that. And God said, take that. Jesus said, take that. And he said, do good to who? Pray for who? It's easy when, when everybody's shouting and loving and praising God and believing the same thing. But when they come up to you and they disagree with you and they get in your face and they call your names and they get, they get to talking about your kids and everything, oh, they ain't talking about my kids. You know how that goes. <laughs> you, I wouldn't want my, I wouldn't want my wife, uh, she, she's a really meek, my woman, but you wouldn't want to get between her and her grandkids or her and her kids. I think like a mother hen, she's going to be there after it. But God has taught me that, that my life, when it was in ruins, that he could put our life back together again. I don't know how many of you here tonight that's backslid. I'll tell you a little bit about my life. In 1970, I gave my heart and life to God. And lived for God all eight or ten years, I don't know. And uh, My pastor died, of course, and, and uh, I moved from church to church and uh, never could find that place, and I backslid. And that's one thing I thought I could never do. Oh, I was self-righteous. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. I was sold on the fact that God saved my soul, and nothing could could, could, could change me from God. Nothing could. I had to allow it. Bible says you're not drawn away. Lust don't draw you away. The Bible says you're drawn away by your own lust. 
But anyway, I found a time and a place that my ruins, that my life was in ruins. And I wanted to come back to God, and I, 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 I just couldn't do it. And people said, just, just pray, just believe. Just. But see, God knew as the prodigal son walked off, he could have went and got him any time he wanted him. But he didn't. He had, to, he had to come on back home. He had to come on back home. You know, some people are sitting around waiting for God to drop a bomb on them before they ever come back to God. You better start working your way back to God. You better get back to the Father. He's got open arms. He's going to receive you. He's going to, he's going to forgive you. And he, but he, He's not going to come and get you. If you keep waiting for Him to come and get you, you might get so far away, you may never find your way back. But building on the ruins, you've got to go back and realize that God is a restorer. my notes but I thank God if you looked at that that, that scripture uh, it, it's talking about when AD uh, uh, 60 I think it was when Titus's army marched in and tore down Jerusalem and scattered children all across in 1968 they come back took that land today they bombing the Gotham Strip because they give it back to them they give it back to them I thought when they give it back to them why would they give it back to them they took it in the seven seven day war, six day war. But anyway, uh, they took it, and now they're bombing Israel. Israel is having to bomb them because they're, they're, they've got all the underground tunnels and everything, and putting Israel on the spot that that the whole world they're planting children in school buses with their bombs. They're taking children and innocent bystanders, uh, citizens to the spots that they know is going to be bombed. They're telling them where they're going to bomb. We're going to bomb tonight and we're going to bomb this area. Get out of it. What do they do? The Palestinians take their, their, their citizens and they plant them there against their wills that they might be blown up, that the cameras of the world, I'm not just saying that the analysts uh, on all the news stations know they're over there. They're, they're looking at it. They know what's going on. And, and, and what they're doing is they're, they're putting Israel out there and we've got a president. I'm not sure that he'll stand up for Israel. I'm not sure he'll stand up for anything. If you like him, forgive me. God don't. You know, I, he got, he threats real good. He just don't follow through. I like his threats. You better not. We're going to sanction you. Yeah, that's what we told uh, uh, North uh, Korea when they started developing nuclear weapons. We told them, said, you're not going to do it. We'll stop you. Uh, they didn't stop. They went right on. They've had warheads pointed at us for a long time. But people don't realize the brother preaching the day and the time and the hour that God's coming back and he's going to find a church that's watching and waiting and there's going to be those who slumbering and sleeping and not up and about their father's business and the oil in their lamps don't run dry because like the brother said, they're not trying to get oiled up. They're not trying to get oil. They're just living off everybody else's oil. But God said he's going to come back looking for a people who are watching and waiting. But I'm talking about the ruins. The ruins been to total destruction. Word ruin. Total destruction. Physically, moral, economically, spiritual. To utterly bankrupt. Ruined. To be without. You know, and it's sad that we have to get that far down before we look up. But God is... 
made me to see and I see and, and I'm more patient uh, than I've ever been in my life. And that's not a lot to say. I'm still not real patient, but I'm not praying for no more patience. I'm praying that, that I get, get over the ones I'm, I'm, I've got right now. <laughs> you know, I want to heal up from some of the patience that God's been giving me. Because I have, when I started preaching, usually by now I'm running and shouting and jumping them down, hollering and screaming. But God's showing me it ain't all in that. That you need the Word. That's what's going to keep you. The Word's going to keep you. It's good to shout. It's good to run the aisles. It's good to worship. I love doing it. But if you're without the Word of God, though, it's, it's not going to get you anywhere. But anyway, uh, I was thinking about people, you know, and, and I, I, the study that, that Brother Pruitt taught this morning was just all over the top of my thinking. I thought all the way back to Noah, this world was in ruins. You know, but there's one scripture, and it says, it's in um, Genesis, it said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But, but that makes a difference that one man found grace in the eyes. And, you know, I've heard people, people preach and say that Noah preached for a hundred years, building that ark and to preaching to everybody that better be saved. No, he didn't. God said for you and your children and their daughters, I'm winding it up, let them go. That sounds hard, doesn't it? But we're living under grace. God forgives everybody for everything and does not put his thumb on things and take care of it. He, grace covers it all. In the last day, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's all right. It, 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 it's good to shout, but that ain't where it's at. And so, I realized that, 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 that Noah, the earth had to be replenished. Sometimes our life needs to be replenished. We don't realize it's gone to ruins and, and, and it's hopeless. And, you know, I used to, didn't understand it. I thought, what is it? Just, just trust God. And you do trust God. But there's so much more wisdom and knowledge in the Word of God because if all you're trying to do is save yourself, I've heard them say, oh, just give me Bill a cabin in the corner. I don't want a cabin in the corner. I've had a cabin in the corner down here. You know? Now, if I could hear it, if I can just hold on to Jesus comes. If we just, just hold on. God don't want you just holding on. God wants you to have somebody by their arm and swing and say, come on with me. Come on with me. God put us here. You got, you got a beautiful church in a beautiful area. Rich Top, Greenbrier, Gulledsville. It's just all over you. But I thank God for you, what the work you're doing. But, uh, as I was, as I was, Looking at the Word of God, I looked at where he said to Noah, he said, I want you to take two of all the animals. And I don't think Noah went out and collected them. I think God told him, go get on that boat. I got a little dog. I tell him to do something, he does it. He, he learned a long time ago, he don't want to cross me. <laughs> if I tell him to go, he goes. I tell him to come. Now, I tell him to come, he'll get down on his belly and crawl inch to me. I mean, I peck the floor. I said, come here. And he'll come over if I'm going to get on to him. He'll crawl across that floor and get to me. But he comes to me. But all the animals, he told he said, but of the clean animals, I want you to get seven of them. Because you can't come to God without a sacrifice. 
when David was going to offer up offering uh, to God, and, and, and he said, I forget the story right now. My mind don't retain as much as it used to. I have to look things up and restudy them. But uh, he went down and uh, wanted to offer sacrifice, and, and, and the brother said, well... I've got this threshing floor here, and I got this wood, and I got this that you can offer. But I got a lamb. I got everything you need to worship God. He said, No, I will not give God nothing that don't cost me nothing. We want to live on welfare. We're living on welfare. The, the, the world we're living in today has bankrupted America, being on welfare. The welfare state that we live on, you got 20 year old guys in there telling them they can't make it. Give me, give me a check. And among all the other health benefits and the food stamp fraud and all the things the government's been on, people want to come into church and they want to live the same way. They want to get up here and say, Preacher, make me shout. Preacher, make me feel good. Your Bible says, you know, if you come into His gates with thanksgiving in your heart and you enter His gates with praise, that you're ready when you come, that you're already warmed up, then God, God is pleased. So, so the sacrifices that we make to God, it's just our duty. It's just our, not, that's not be above and beyond. God says it's your duty to serve God. You're reasonable. That's what he said. The reasonable duty that you serve God. But we know that, that, that it takes a sacrifice. And you go up, come up, and I like, I, I, I could preach on J- Jacob, and I love to preach on Joseph, and I could have done any amount of these, these, these stories are just beautiful stories. And I know everybody's heard them all their life has been in church, but you know, Jacob had to find a place. Sometimes we have to find a place. But he goes out to a place called Luz. He stacks up a few rocks and uses one for a pillow and he pours a drink offering and puts some oil on them. And he said when he closed his eyes, he seen a ladder. When he dreamed the dream, and that ladder went all the way to heaven. And there was angels coming up and down that ladder. And he said, when he woke up, he said, I know that God is here. How that scripture go? I need to read that scripture. But that is a powerful scripture. He said, uh, the Lord is here and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. Sometimes we're just right there where God wants to bless you, where God wants to deliver you. And you walk away and say, but he was just right there. Like the well he talked about this morning when Hagar, uh, was there in a thirst and looked around and she didn't see that well. God opened her eyes. You seen it. God can open our eyes where we can see things normally we'll never be able to see. And only God can do this for us. Only way it can be done. You know, it, it, uh, that he had such a bright character as you, if, if you read about, uh, Jacob, and of course we know that's Israel and his twelve sons, the twelve tribes of Israel, and from them become the nation of Israel. But as we, as we study about his life, he had a curse upon it. I believe, it, you know, I, when I was young and I've seen people and they got born to lose on their, tattooed on their armor somewhere. Branded, born to lose. If anybody in life had a, had a way to, to, uh, 
look at someone and say what they're going to be or what they're not going to be, they would have put Brent born to lose on me when, that, when I was born. I was young. My dad died when I was seven. My mama remarried, or my mother, to a man who abused me as a small child, beat me with anything he could get his hands on, cussed me in every word, you're stupid, you're this and you're that, made me an angry young man. Before I come to God, and God taught me to manage this anger and realize that the problem isn't with the people that's talking to you. It's not with you. If they're happy with you, they got the problem. You get down on their level and you start trying to fight them, then you become what they are. But anyway, God brought me from nothing. And I mean nothing. When we first got married, we were... Poor, I don't know, they're bound to be a, a, a lower word for poor. I mean, <laughs> we were, we were poor, 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 poor. We were, we didn't have nothing. We were in houses that you could look and see the air under, under the woodwork where it's dropped, you know, the frame is dropped. You could see air outside. It was colder in the house than it was out the house. You know, drove cars that wouldn't run and had to put your hand on them and pray for them to make them run. I think you really, back then, you really had to believe God. Because if that car didn't take you to work, you ain't gonna get no, you ain't gonna make any money, you ain't gonna feed your family. Had one time, me and I had a couple of brothers working for me. I've always tried to be entrepreneurial. And, uh, I've always tried to make money. And it took me a long time to make any. But, 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 it, it we were hanging sheetrock. If you know anything about that drywall, it's tough work. But it, it paid, I think, paid money. And I could hire them by the hour, and I could get paid by the board, and I'd make money off everybody working me. And that, that worked for me. But we were riding along, and I had an old telephone, an old telephone van, you know, with the big motor between the seats, you know. And uh, I hadn't been in church real long, and I had my two younger brothers with me. We were over here in Madison, over behind the old Madison post office. I'm sure most of you know where it is. A big church parking lot there. And uh, the van quit. We pushed that van up and down that parking lot. Bloop, 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 bloop. It didn't have an out, didn't have a click, didn't have a nothing. And God told me, he said, lay your hands on that motor and pray for it. And I said, oh, God, <laughs> what if it don't start? What are they going to think about me? He said, lay your hands. And I said, God, I was in my mind. You know, I'm thinking, God, Lord, you know you don't want me to pray for this motor. And it's just like God speaking to me in an audible voice. I felt the leading of God. I took the hood off of it. I laid my hand on the carburetor, and I commanded it to start in the name of Jesus. Put the thing down, started, and drove it home. Had an electrician come look at it, Woodrow Vic, and he come looked at it, and he said, "I don't know how you drove it home. It don't have the burn, the, the harness in it's burnt up. I don't know how you got how you got this in the driveway. I don't know." You know, and God done a lot of miracles to prove himself to me. But out of the ruins of my life of a young man who was bent to have nothing, bent to go nowhere, that God said, I see something. I see something. And when I give my heart and life to God, I realize that, that, that if I'd give myself to him and I'd give my finances to him and I'd wait on him and believe him, that he'd open doors. And God has opened the windows of heaven. He's blessed me in kind of ways. If I told you tonight a third, if I told you a tenth of what God's done for me, you think I'm bragging. God's been that good. I've had a lawyer shake his head on a piece of property and say, I've never seen the seller give the buyer money on closing. 
and the property brings in twi- brought in twice as much as the payments were from the beginning. Plus, he paid me twenty five hundred. Take it. And now then, it's worth three times what I give for it. But I'm saying God, not me. I'm talking about. Me. I don't have them kind of skills. See, I, I, I didn't have the college degree and, 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 and it, family to help me out and anybody to go to bank with me. or I didn't have that. But I had a father. I had a father. And I can turn to him because when I look at my life and say, well, I grew up without a father. And he said, no, you got a father. I'm glad that I can go to my father when I'm in ruins. When I find myself and my life turned around where I've made a mess of it. That God can take and turn to God and He'll raise up those ruins and He'll rebuild that thing that Satan has robbed you of. And I don't think there's anybody here that can, can actually honestly say that, that the devil has not eat your lunch. That the devil hadn't made you backslide right there on that seat where you're sitting. That you come to church and could not feel God and had something in your heart that you knew shouldn't be in your heart. You knew you wasn't right with God and you couldn't pray about it. The heavens was his brass and God, and you knew it. But you're too proud to ask somebody to pray for you. Oh, if I go to the altar, they're going to think I'm a sinner. They're going to think, they're gonna think I, what, I'm a backslider. But you know, we shouldn't feel that way. Old Pentecost used to be that way where they'd shake you and just, it doesn't matter, they cast devils out of you and, and everything, you, you know, not even ask you what you need is, they just automatically, I guess, hear from God on that. But, but what I'm saying is, God is so good that, 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 that He sees and wants to meet our needs and He don't care what you live in. It's up to you. As long as it don't hurt you walk with God. He don't care what you drive, Cadillac, Volkswagen, bicycle, live in a tent, project, whatever. God is not prejudiced at what your outward is. Some people, you give them $20,000 and they would never come back to church. They would never come back to church. They'd be down to Vegas or, or, or maybe on the boat up here. Or they'd be gone somewhere. You wouldn't see them to the money run out. And their kids turned against them. And they got on drugs so bad they couldn't stand it. Then they might come back. God don't want us that way. God cares for the poor, but you don't have to be poor. You could, God can give you, he said, I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. And I've run a long time. It ain't about things. I've had things and I've not had things. God a lot of times spoke to me a lot stronger when I didn't have nothing. And he did when I had something. Because I can, I can lean on that dollar instead of leaning on him. But you know, the United States right now, the ruins that we're in. We're in ruins. Our, our, our country, I don't know if you see it or not. I, I have to turn the news off. I watch the, the, uh, the, uh, world news and I see the prophecy coming to pass against Israel. Bible says pray for the peace of Israel, but it also said that Israel will never have peace until he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives and declares that time will be no more. Yeah. Now what is he going to take to wake us up? What is he going to take on the world stage of the uh, countries, the, the alliance of all the countries, and they're not going to get behind nobody? Right. We try to get help, and there ain't no help. It only stands one thing. They've already gave, there was a commercial flight of 285 people, I think, that was shot out of the air by a Russian missile this last week. 
They had the capability. Russia said, we didn't do it. We just gave it to the other guy, and they done it. Well, one of the, uh, one of the uh, high-ranking officials in the, in the military said, there's no way. He said, it takes anywhere from one to two years to learn the basics, how to shoot that thing, how to zero in on something. And, and I see this prophecy coming. And, 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 you know, if Iran had that same power, they, they would they would be they're shooting everything they got at Israel now. What if they had? What if they acquired one of those missiles? What if they require required acquired a, a a nuclear bomb? This thing can happen tomorrow. This thing can happen before we get home tonight. And I ain't saying to scare people, but we need to get scared. You know, there's one thing about it. We need to know in the day we live in because the Bible says they all slumber and slept. Five of them had it and five of them didn't, but they all slumbered and slept. You couldn't see, you couldn't see the real church from the false church. People are bringing things into the church today. It's changing so fast. I went to a church the other day and I just could not believe my eyes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing in an apostolic church. They're just, what? I mean, it's, it's all about too many other things I ain't going to mention. But, you know, it, it, it's something that we really need to focus our lives on is the coming of the Lord. Yeah. We need to preach it from the hill. We need, to, we need to holler it out. We need to bring everybody on board that's coming on board. I feel that urgency, Brother Pruitt. I feel the urgency to live for God like I've never felt the urgency to live for God. I feel, I feel like I need to be on my face before the Lord more than I've ever felt like it before. I feel like the time, the Bible says, when you see these things happening, when you see these things happening, He said, like the leaves, you see them turning, and you know that summer's nigh. And when you see all these things happening to Israel, He said, you know. That the coming of the Lord is not, and, and, and you know, I don't care if you're pre-mid or post or how you understand it, you just better be ready. You could be wrong. It's a strange thing, that's what deception is when you don't understand. The people don't think they can be, under, be deceived. But I was reading the scripture the other day that hit me, I, I was reading the scripture Jesus said when he prayed, if you remember in the garden, that he cried, Abba, Father. And I thought, what does Abba mean? I don't know if anybody thought. I, I do these on words all the time. I, I mean, I get to wonder what the, what the meaning of this word. What does it mean in the uh, Greek and the uh, New Testament, the Hebrew and the Old Testament? And it means it's a word for Father that's so intimate and so special that they only, it's like a papa or dad or something that's so intimate and close. And, and, and it means father. And I thought, why would he say father, father after I found out it meant father? And I had to do so more research on it to figure out it means something a whole lot more than just father. A lot of people that, that, that's got their heavenly father and they're carrying uh, the message that I, I, I have the, the message of the father. But they don't know the Abba father. They don't know how to get down and get into a closet. And find a place to get a hold of God. They can't, they can't find that spiritual outlet to be able to really have God flood their soul. And then be able to, 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 to God to clean the inside through the tears. They cry out to God. 
I know that when I think about the restoration of what God's done for me, I think about one time that when we first got married, and I told you we didn't have nothing, we didn't even have a car. And the apartment we lived in was like a dungeon, and they had old furniture in it that they rented it furnished, but we didn't have no furniture. Y'all can feel sorry for me if you want to. I'm doing better. <laughs> but uh, it was bad. And so I tell my, my wife, I say, you know, I got to have another job. This, this job piddled out. I don't have a job. We don't, we don't have, I don't have no way to go if God give me a job. And uh, so I went in the closet. And I got on my knees and I started crying out to God. I said, Lord, you know my need. You know what I need, Lord. I need a job. I want to work. People today don't want to work. They don't want a job. But I said, Lord, I need a job. And God spoke to me. I've had God in several times in my life. Just and He does speak to me now. But what I'm saying is, when I was more devoted, and I have to be honest, sometimes we're not just as honest as we need to be. The Bible says to confess your faults and pray one for another. Yeah. That when my faith was young... It was stronger. I was on that honeymoon with God. But I cried out to God and God spoke to me. I got you a job. So I dried my eyes and I got up and got out of the closet and started praising him. I told my wife, I got a job. Praise God, I got a job. I got a job. And she said, where? I thought, I don't know, but I got a job. (laughs) And, and, And so I go over to this company that makes stoves. And I went over there and I went into the big man's office, and I don't know that you can do that, not these days, but back then I did. I went in there, and I walked up, and I told him what my name was, and I said, God sent me here for you to give me a job. What do you want me to do? He gave me the highest paying job in there that, that didn't require as much work, driving a tow motor. I ain't never drove a tow motor. But God gave me that job, and I knew it. And I was bold enough. I don't care if it's the president of the bank. I'd, I'd witness to him about Jesus whether he showed any wisdom or not. But uh, I know that just all the things, that how God has touched my body. I've got have had back surgery, and I can't seem to uh, have the faith. And I know God has proven me. I know God's proven me. And I know everywhere I've been and everywhere I'm going, God has the steps already, already there for me. And... Uh, but I, I was sick when I was younger, and I was so sick, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I had a stomach ulcer, and they wanted to take part of my stomach out. And that year, I'd been in the hospital three times that year because of the stomach. I couldn't eat hardly anything. My wife can testify to it, my mom and my sisters, and the church I was in at the time. And I... uh Went out, and at that time, I worked for a steel company. I was painting in a steel company, wrought iron. And uh, I went out and got my sandwich and turned on my gospel radio, and and I got to listen to the preacher, and the preacher, this, this black man, he said, why do you keep going asking God for something you don't even believe no way? And I thought to myself, I believe. You can't tell me I don't believe. I believe. He said, no, you don't. I, he was talking to me, and I was talking back to him. He said... Well, you doing wasting your time and God's time too because when you go, you don't believe. I said, July, I do believe. All my heart, I believe. So that night we had a tent revival in Dot, Kentucky. 
And I was standing there, and of course they said, if anybody has a need, come on down. And I'd already been, I had to bend, I stayed bent over all the time. The stomach way it attacked me. And, uh, I started to step out in the aisle, and that black preacher hit me in the ear. So what are you doing wasting your time in God's time too? I stepped back in the aisle. I said, I'll tell you what, Lord, when you get ready to heal me, you let me know. Somebody shoved me. Look back and there wasn't nobody there to shove me. I heard the word go. I walked out that day and I, and I believed God and God did heal me. I was riding down the road the next day going to work and I was on Dixon Road headed to this apartment complex. Thank you. This apartment complex and, and, uh, that old feeling, ooh, that old feeling came back. I started feeling it deep down in my gut. It started pulling on me. I whooped into Circle K right there on Dixon Road, right there by Hunter's Lane. I whooped in that Circle K, and I went there and got a red-hot burrito and threw it in the oven. I got that thing hot, and I just ate it. And I said, you take this, devil, because you're a liar. <laughs> I haven't hurt from that day to this. I can eat a pizza, a whole one. I, sh- I shouldn't, but I, I'm down to a half when you tell I'm not as heavy as I used to be. <laughs> but I can eat a whole pizza and go to bed and sleep like a baby. God does a complete work. So when I talk about my back injury, and, and, and I do suffer a lot, it has, it has caused me, and it slowed me down. But as I realized that God does, God, excuse me, my son, <clears throat> that God does season us different ways. And I don't question God. I don't say, God, I deserve to be healed. Or, God, why don't you heal me? And God, you know, where's my faith? But I told Jesus, I said, physician, heal yourself. You can preach us to it. Won't you heal yourself? And he was blind. I mean, blindfolded. And they'd jerk out his beard. And said, tell us who did that. And they'd spit on him. Say, if you're a prophet, prophesy who spit on you. Now, you know, us as human beings, we can't comprehend that kind of love that Christ had for us. But he was locked in by his own words. That he would come, as Isaiah said, dumb, not opening his mouth. He'd be led as a sheep to the slaughter. That how that he suffered and died for us, that we might have the salvation. That we might, that he could bring us from the ruins of life. But um, I've I run past my scriptures, which don't really matter a whole lot. Like I said, uh, usually if I start giving scriptures, I, I, I don't follow them anyway. And my thoughts sometimes spring fast me. But anyway, praise the Lord. Well, three pages of notes, and I don't run through them. You know, it's something you can you can uh, do, God. Uh, that you can that you can um, take. I've taken one scripture and preached an hour and a half. I've taken four or five pages of notes and run through them in five minutes. It ain't it ain't it ain't what on the it's it's not what's on the paper. If that's all you got is whatever you wrote down for as thoughts, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But. I had so many thoughts on ruins, how many times God has came to the rescue on, on, on people in the Bible that, uh, that I was preaching, um, who you want to go about, Jacob. 
and how when he seen that ladder, he, he knew that he was there, but how he had, he had found a place called Luz, and he named it Bethel. And every time he was in, even when he seen that ladder, he was at Bethel. Every time he had a bad problem, when he, when he knew his mama sent him down to his brother's, to her brother's house, Laban, to keep his sheep, and, 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 on, and on the way he stopped. And he prayed, and he, he, he there. And then when he had to leave there, he went back, and he knew his brother Isaac because he stole his birthright. He knew he was going to face it. He knew he was going to face his brother, and his brother had many men. He was scared that he, his brother was going to kill him. So he goes back, and he prays to God, and God gives him confirmation. And of course, we know that that don't happen. But you know. God changed him. When he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, you all know the story. How the, how he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he said, I won't, I won't let you go till you bless me. Like this brother was talking about earlier, if we get a, we get a hold on to God and say, Lord, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop till you, till you bless me. And God blessed him and, and, and his name was, went from a, a thief. He stole his birthright from his brother. And how is a hill grabber and so many names that, they, that, that, that Jacob stood for. But after meeting with God under the right circumstances, God changed all that. And he changed it, made him a priest of all. That he might, that he might show people that he wasn't. Sometimes we need to treat people how we want them to be and not what we think they are. It's called a Pygmalion concept. The concept is you treat them like a Christian and they act like one. You treat them with respect and they ha- they have respect. Sometimes we 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 trailblaze this thing so hard that we that we toss aside the goods that we that we throw away the uh, the wheat with the shaft. But anyway, I'm not going to keep you. I I I I I didn't thunder, but. I, I, I had that thought that God give me that, that says to, uh, no matter where you're at with God, no matter how much the devil tries to tell you, God can bring you from the ruins, from the destruction. You know, and, and, and it distresses me when I see churches and I hear ministers and they beat on them. You just make kids hard-headed when you beat on them. You just make them hard-headed. You brag on them, watch what you get. Tell them how good they are and see what you get. Tell them how good a worker they are and watch them work. But sometimes I hear, I hear the preachers and bless God this and bless God that and I told them they go to hell, it's their own fault kind of deal. You know? And God don't want us there. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. But you know, in the world we live in, we need to be prepared because God is fixing to raise up the ruins. God is fixed to raise up the ruins. It's fixed to, it, you know, they say, well, we've heard this from our youth. Why, why, why should we believe it now? It's going to happen. It's going to happen, just like he said. And, 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 and the ruins of all the things that we try to do in God, God's going to bring them to pass. And I'm looking for that day because I know that God is going to fulfill his word. And I want to be in the bride of Christ. Bible said they're going to cry for the rocks to cry, fall on them. I don't know why I'm preaching this end day message, that, but I feel like it. I feel like it, it's time to preach it. All right. yeah. 
that they're going to be so scared they're going to cry out to God and God didn't cut it off. He done took his bride. He, he's going for that restoration of the natural Israel that we might rule and reign with. We're, you know, it's a, I think people have heard it so much, it's a fairy tale. They've heard Jesus so much. Oh, I know. I know. There's a church on every corner. I know. I know. No, you don't know. If you knew, you'd, you'd be shouting or crying. You'd be doing something if you really knew. Because when I first came to God, if I'd heard a dog bark Jesus, I'd have shouted. I promise you, all you had to do is start talking about Jesus and that man, the Holy Ghost was all over me. There's power in the name of Jesus. Like, uh, what's his name? Something James, down at the conference said, if it ain't about Jesus, it ain't about nothing. If it ain't about Jesus, it ain't about nothing. That Jesus is it. And, uh, anyway, uh, Maybe I'll be more on my game. Of course, it ain't my game anyway. It's God's game. But uh, yeah. uh, I, ha- I haven't been preaching a whole lot in the last couple of years. So a little bit here and there. A little bit here and there. But uh, it ain't no, certainly the time, and I don't even know how much time I've taken. But anyway, I appreciate you listening. Yeah. I, d- I don't have any, any egg stains or tomato stains or nothing like that on me, you know. So. <laughs> No, I love I love the church. I love the church. I feel at home at the church. I'd hate to go into church where I didn't feel at home. Because the church is my home. It's my home. And I appreciate you and y'all's way that you've accepted me and my wife to come in and be a part of you. And uh, I don't say that lightly. I do appreciate it. I appreciate it. More than you'll ever know. That we prayed about coming here and... uh I don't care to know anything about anybody's faults. I know when you got church, you got problems. When you got people, you got problems. It don't matter whether they, it's the Boy Scout or the church or whatever it is. When you got people together, you're going to have some problems. But, uh, if you got any, please don't share them with me. <laughs> I'm serious. Only on a need to know basis. If you think I can pray about it, you really think that I need to pray about it, let me know. I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. But if you got something going on, you don't think it's going real well with somebody, then you pray for them and, you know, just tell me they got a need and I'll pray from there. Because you fill my head with all this junk. You can't have confidence in nobody. I'd rather just not know. It's called stinking it's thinking. Like Zig Ziglar said, you need a check up from the neck up. And he started talking about this restoration of the stinking thinking. He said every time that you cover up this old garbage that stinks, fresh load of dirt, somebody pulls up your back door and said they dump a load of that garbage right there on your front porch. You just got it cleaned up, and here they are dumping it back on there again. The phone rings, and you're listening, and you say, well, God will take care of it. I, well, I know, I understand, you know, and, and you just sit there and listen to all this garbage. And before you know it, you got stinking thinking. You got stinking thinking, and, and, and God don't deal in stinking thinking. His thing, Him, Jay, and Amen. That God wants us to have a positive outlook. That Brother Darrell's going to be all he can be. That, and if he ain't, we better get behind him or anybody else. Restore such a one. But if you get someone, you get someone that walks outside the truth. Bible says. 
bark them. Too many times, I don't care how much you take, and I'm not labeling. Please get me, don't get me wrong that I, that I say this is a sheep and that's the goat. I don't do that. But if you get a goat, I don't care how much you work with it, it'll never be a sheep. It'll never be a sheep. And you can't make it a sheep. God didn't call you to make it a sheep. You love it. And he said, when I come, I'll separate it. I'll take care of it. You just let them grow together. You let them grow together, and I'll take care of it. And too many times, we tear out the tares, and we take some wheat with it. And we say, well, they, 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 they should have win. Well, look what they took with them. Couldn't we, do, couldn't we look at that just a little bit more tactfully? Couldn't we took just a, I don't know why I'm speaking. I'm just, I'm just speaking. Couldn't we have been a little bit more tactful? Couldn't we save the baby when we threw out the bath, bath water? Did we have to throw out the baby too? But God is working on us. And I'm glad he's working on us. And I'm looking forward to this church and, and coming to church. And I have all good, positive feelings about the church. I think every one of you has got wings. So don't disappoint me. <laughs> but anyway, God is so good. And, and Brother Bert, I thank you a lot. And, and uh, I'm, I, right now where I'm really at, where I'm really at, it's this patient thing. That's the reason. I mean, I, I could, there's two or three messages I've preached Several over the years, so many thoughts I could have took out of my tablets and stuff and, and preached. But God wants me to wait on Him. And God wants me to preach under the anointing, but to wait on Him. And that's been my problem, see. I haven't waited on God. Oh, yeah, I can do the work. But if you do the work of God without God, you, you've still done it in vain. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And some people get mixed up and think because they're good, they're saved. You can be good all you want, but if you're not washed in the blood, if you hadn't met Jesus to be your personal Savior, and you ain't gave your heart and your life to Him, and you don't live on a repented life on a daily basis, you're not following Christ. It's not a Wednesday. You know what a hypocrite is? It's somebody that ain't their self on Sunday. God wants us to, God wants us to love one another. He said, you know that you pass from death into life because that you love the brethren. And I, I believe that. I believe that, that if we show the love that God wants to one another, God will take care of everything. But anyway, God bless you and thank you, brother. I'll turn the service back over to you. Y'all, y'all pray for me.